Hello to all the rugby and coffee lovers all over the globe. Hope you are all keeping safe. And a huge thank for all listening, for all of those who downloaded our podcast, who subscribed to it. Um, the rugby podcast has now got over 500 downloads, so we are very, very happy and blessed. It helps us with, um, you know, uh, spreading the gospel of rugby and the good of rugby. And also it helps us um, getting our rugby coffee products out there, getting it known. But today is our episode nine of um, the rugby podcast. And we've got somebody special, somebody that we um, uh, know uh, and has had a big role to play in um, rugby in, in South Africa and around the globe. Um is none other than Lofi Yelof, um, affectionately known as Lofi. Um, and he is also um, a World Cup winning coach, um, baby, baby box, and um, he's uh, been at uh, Curry Cup teams. He's been across the globe and he's now also the CEO of Elite Sport Mentorship. Lofi, welcome on our podcast. Hi, Cornet. Thank you very much. It's an honor to uh, chat ball with you guys. Um, and I just thought about it now. It's uh, your ninth podcast, and nine is my lucky number. It's also the position I played when I still played rugby. So it's nine is going to be a big one. Yeah, I know. No, that's for sure. I'm, uh, I'm sort of playing in Afrikaans, but I think... Lofi, um, I think Tinez is not um, on the right spot here. Good morning, yeah. guys. Yes, good morning from Canada, I think, for the listeners, so that everybody knows. Good morning, Lofi, that's sitting in South Africa. And Paul, I think, at Valdivia State at his home. Uh, and uh, Corne sitting in London and myself sitting in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Morning, Lofi. Hi, Tinez. I, I have to share this with you. It's 36 degrees here, and it's a hot day. So wow. once we're done, I'm going to jump into the pool. But uh, I've seen some of your pictures on social media. You look as if it's pretty cold down there or up there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And it's only starting to get there. Um, they talk about a real feel and uh, the actual temperature. But real, real feel last night dropped to about minus 8, minus 9 degrees. So we're getting there. The bird how fast. Very fast. <laughs> There we go. No, fantastic. No, um, Tinez, everybody, as you know, most of you who've, who've listened to our podcast, have seen our social media. Tinez is a partner in Rugby Coffee now. Um, my name is Corne Durant. And both of us have been um, coached by Lofi. And, um, and Tinez has got a real uh, strong relationship built over the last few years with Lofi. And Tinez, I'll let you carry on um, from there. Yes, definitely. It is very definitely a very special number nine podcast, Lofi, uh, because right after this follows 10. <laughs> um, but I'm only joking. It is an absolute pleasure and honor and a privilege to have a coach of your stature uh, on our show. Uh, it's the first coach that we are talking to, but from my perspective, very special because uh, I see you as a personal friend a mentor and uh, somebody that that's over the last six, seven years played an integral part in my life uh, behind the scenes. 
Uh, and so, but Lofi, why don't you tell us, tell us a bit more where, where did our paths cross the first time and, and, and where did your rugby journey begin and, and how did we get to this point? Well, Tinas, uh, I don't think you're aware uh, that I knew of you and about you before you knew me. And if I recall right, I think my brother was, was teaching at Kempton Worst School and he coached the Craven Week side. And um, so I was well aware about you at uh, Springs, uh, Springs Jigenwitte. And to the people that don't know where Springs is, it's the, it's the East Rand. I also come from the East Rand, but not as far east as Springs. So I followed you there. And then, of course, I followed you. Um, I knew much more about you once you played for Incopy with Donnie van Skalkberg, who I coached at Kempton, who needed a post with Rick at Waterkloof. And then... Um, uh, throughout my rugby travels, you know, I just uh, followed your academy that you had and, and just all your work that you were doing with the youth. And I liked the way that you worked with them and I and I could sense your love for rugby and your love for the players and that you would go the extra mile for them. And and on those grounds, I decided to, to link up with you on social media. I think it was Facebook and I got your number and I found you and asked you to participate in the book I wrote um, Coach Lofi Winning Ways is the English version of it. And um, and the input you gave there, it just confirmed what I thought of you as a coach and as a human being. And uh, I mean, from there, we've gone from strength to strength. You've invited me to uh, to do a few projects at the school and our trophies. And to me, it was a fantastic honor. And, um, and you know, when, when coaches or players found me in the ask advice, um, to me, uh, the big thing is, I feel they trust me that I will give them sound and good advice. So, yeah, our friendship is very deeply, uh, uh, very deeply inherited, and it's a great one. Thank you, Lofi. Yes, I can only, from my side, say, uh, in many dark times, in those dark times that a coach find alone next to the field, or after a weekend, and seven of your ten teams lost. Uh, that, that feeling and that phone call on a Monday or the coffee that we had midweek um, has always been, uh, you know, a saving grace for me. But uh, can you tell the listeners a bit more about Venka for Venus? Uh, that's Afrikaans' uh, 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 name of the book. But it's one that lived and, and traveled with me for at least the first two years after you wrote it, not just to show off that I was in Lofi's book and show people the special message you wrote, uh, because it was an absolute honor um, to be included there. But uh, please tell the listeners, what's the book about? Because for, to me, it was a manual. It was a rugby manual, I saw it, but not a rugby manual. Just It was a manual for coaches and a manual for life. Yes, I think uh, uh, the history of the book is interesting. I was inspired by, um, by a very good friend of mine, Rodney Seal, who comes from Apuma Langa. Um, and I didn't think I would be able to write a book uh, but when I got up the Monday morning, 6 o'clock, and I drew a framework, I knew exactly what I was going to write about because I knew that in in the courses I've done, in my interactions with coaches, uh, there was not mentorship. There was just everybody had to do level 1, 2, and 3. We also did level 4, which is a scrap now. So, um, And then I thought I will write a book that a young coach, aspiring coach, a motivated coach uh, can read. And once he's read the whole book, he'll have a – holistic uh, view of rugby at amateur level and at professional level. So, yeah, Tinas, I started with the first um, 
chapter being uh, autobiography about my life, where I grew up, where I was at school, varsity, my military career, my rugby career, the ups and downs. Um, and then in the second uh, chapter is all about how do you handle disappointment? Because as you know, and it's not only coaches, it's also players that somewhere in your career you get disappointed, how to manage that, how to handle it, and just to move on. And then the third one, uh, most probably to me, uh, is very close to my heart because when I was a young boy at primary school, a teacher told me that I was not going to be successful in life, uh, a lady teacher, and it's not a gender-based what I'm saying now. And, um, and, and she actually did me a big favor because she inspired me to, to go, go for it in life. And, and, and that's what uh, the third chapter is about. Live your dream. No, live it big. Live it in technicolor and don't let anybody tell you nothing is possible. Then what I did, I, lo I looked at certain dimensions of rugby that mm -hmm. there's not a lot of information on. I've got a sports uh, a guy from the University of Selbo, sports science, Dr. Wilbur Kroc. I got uh, Yanni Buerta, sports psychologist. I got Rian Barnard, uh, uh, rugby analyst programmer. I got uh, Dr. Shaul Carsons to write about medicine. I got Dr. Pierre mm -hmm. Revier, who was my doctor with a junior box to write about uh, supplementation. Rizan Schreiber, a top figure, talking about rehabilitation, uh, prehab, and so on. Um, Dr. Gerrit Jordan, a fantastic friend of mine that coached with me. at He was our conditioning coach at the Lions and at Boerland. He was actually part of Kitch Christie's uh, um, department as well. Uh, at the 95 World Cup. And then uh, uh, Anthony Johnson, uh, uh, agent uh, that's currently living in France. And we've actually got a funny story. Uh, we became friends. He, he rocked up at one of our training sessions at the Lions and um, uninvited. So I asked him to go and he didn't want to leave the premises. So I had a very strong forward coach, uh, Leon Borsoff, and I asked him to remove them. And, <laughs> and I actually got him um, a chapter on the role of an agent in the player's life. And then I got some of my players to write uh, just a small, uh, just a small uh, few words how they experienced me as a coach. And I must tell you, uh, that was really special to me. And I, I'm sure if I left somebody out that also wrote a chapter, they must forgive me. So that book, once you've read it, it will give you, uh, I, also, I also cover a lot of strategic and tactical planning in it, which is the success of coaching lies in planning. And uh, so, yeah, uh, that's why I wrote it. And um, I didn't uh, sell a lot of copies and I didn't print a lot of copies. And to me, it was just a sacred thing. But maybe one day when I'm old, I'll uh, get it reprinted. And I didn't print the English book, which I think was a mistake. I might still do that. But that's the story of Inca for Venice. Fantastic, Lofi. I, uh, From a coaching perspective, for the listeners, I'm sure everyone knows to Cornet and myself are also, you know, ex-players and teammates, but uh, been actively involved in coaching the last 10, 15 years, 20 years, I think, in Cornet's case. Um, but the long and short of it is um, we're all guided by a philosophy. We're all guided, uh, uh, guided by a personal conviction about what the game is what and what the game should be. And... I actually last night for, for both of you, uh, I applied for my level three. It's called the NCCP, uh, World Rugby Level Three, uh, to be held next year in Toronto. Um, because I've been a level two coach for many years now and the next level is three and I haven't been able to get into the South African selection, uh, uh crew. 
for that uh, uh, um, certification and I'm going hopefully next year if uh, Rugby Canada and if they are listening out there I'd like to be on that course Lofi I would ask like to ask you what is your coaching philosophy what is it that's guided you um, through life and right now in in business and I think that's the next uh, thing we're going to touch on yeah I think uh, Dennis a lot of coaches um a lot of young guys would love to coach and they start coaching and they start doing drills and they get onto the field and game plans um, and things don't quite actually uh, go the way they want to. And, and I say always take one step back and determine your personal uh, coaching philosophy. Now, mine was very much based on my experience that I had as a young military parachute parachutist or I was in the parachute battalion and we were involved in the in the Angola war um, and uh, at a young age I had to learn uh, to take responsibility to make sure the guys are safe that they are well prepared for battle and to keep them healthy and motivated throughout tough times so um, for me that was the basis of my philosophy and the biggest thing is you work with humans uh, and a coach not be uh, superior of them you need to be on the same level but uh, just have your own your respect where you are in your the picking order so very much you work with with people and uh, there, there must be a, a situation of love respect and trust uh, between coach and player so mine's very much love is is important I get the team the management everybody to love each other regardless of where they come from, what race they are, what religions they are. They must just all love and respect each other. Learn, always be a student of the game. Uh, you know, that's that's one thing I remember uh, taking Brian Abana when he was still a young scrum off, just out of school, and I got him to do a project on uh, on Brian O'Driscoll because I moved Brian to centre, and he's always had that learning spirit about the game. So you as a coach must always be hungry to learn the more, and you know, and that's why you must surround you by better coaches than you because you learn and you feed off them. Labor, what you sow, you will reap. It's, uh, you know, if you don't do the hard yards, you're going to miss out somewhere. And, and a lot of times um, in preseason, people don't do the hard yards. And when the season starts, it's too late. You cannot do it in season. So it's again part of planning. And then uh, laughter, enjoyment. Um, if you don't enjoy coaching, if you don't enjoy playing, don't do it. Um, and, and that uh, you as a coach need to uh, create the environment for the players and for the other, your assistant coaches or other coaches to enjoy what they're doing and the environment that they're working in. And, and therefore, you cannot be stereotyped. You have to also bring humor into it and stuff like that. And, um, and then, of course, the, the basis of that is uh, the guys that are there, coaches and players, should have the desire to be the best, to become a springbok, to become an international coach. Uh, and that goes hand in hand with discipline. Discipline is not rules and regulations and code of conduct. Discipline is, is where you measure yourself against, not where other people measure you, where uh, your boss measures you or whoever. It's where you measure yourself and there you set the standards high. And then dedication. You know, Johnny Wilkinson had got up uh, one Christmas when it was snowing and he went out and nobody wanted to catch with him and he took his dogs and went kicking. I think something like a thousand balls, you know, and dedication, then determination. And that is not to quit. You know, you get knocked down, but you get up. 
not to quit when things go rough. You work through it and just improve and improve. So yeah, very much my philosophy is is, is humanly based. Wow, that's fantastic, Lofi. Um, well, obviously there's two things that stand out for me, um, and I think to everybody that heard is love and respect. Love and respect is should be the guiding principles, not just uh, between the four lines, but uh, outside the four lines as well in life. Um, but obviously, you've done something right, Coach. <laughs> you've won two Junior World Cups and many other trophies. So uh, tell us, what is your biggest coaching highlight? Was it a cup? Was it what was it? You know, Tina, it sounds so great when you say you won, but it, it is it's never a coach alone. It's a collective of people. Uh, coaches, administrators, uh, players, everybody uh, that 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 won these uh, cups, uh, these, these cups. Um, it, it's a difficult question, and I've often been asked that. And who's the best player that you've coached and so on? But the highlights of my of my career was um, was winning the first. Um, and the 21 Cup in 1999, then the Vodacom Cup in 2002, uh, the Junior World Cup in 2003, 2000, 2004 we came third. We should have also knocked the All Blacks then. In 2005 we won it again. Then the Boulan team of 2011 and uh, and then the Austin Huns winning the na- uh, national championship in USA. Uh, they've been established in 1972 and since then could not even win the local derby against the awesome black so that was a huge uh, it was a fantastic accolade that and then and then two years ago i was invited to go to old golf to coach a bunch of um, american south african boys who i didn't know and we won the the men's competition so um those are highlights and you know if I think of the of the of the low light, as you call it like that, it's finals in injury time, and the one was on my birthday, which was the Curry Cup final, and it never took me off my rail and said, "Oh, it's been a bad year." It's, I remember the players telling me, "Sorry, they couldn't give me a present." And I said to them, "You gave me a wonderful present. You played in the final. How many other teams would love to be here?" Sometimes you cannot control the uncontrollables. The ball can bounce bad. There can be a decision against you. You take it on the chin and you learn. And the th- you learn from that losing. And let me tell you guys, you learn much more from losing than from winning. Amen. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the big thing in coaching is that you have to make a player believe in himself firstly. He needs to believe in his teammates. And uh, ultimately, that belief uh, will unite the team and will lead to success. And but you've always you're such a humble person and a coach you know uh and and that's what stands out for me and 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 i think if it goes to that belief between player and coach and a a player believing uh in himself can you tell us a bit more about your relationships that you've built up through rugby may have been with a player may have been with uh, other coaches what has that brought to you rugby relationships i I think life is I think life's about relationships. Business is about relationships. Coaching is about relationships. At the basis of a relationship is being truthful, being honest, and uh, doing it with integrity, uh, and uh, and adding value to somebody's lives. Uh, I was just fortunate that I worked with some brilliant rugby players and coaches that became top coaches and top players. Um, 
that I've had could play a small part in their life. Uh, and those relationships still today are maintained uh, with the Joe van die Kerk and Brian Abana, Andre Petorius, uh, Jacques Fury, Vili LaRue, and the list goes on, you know, uh, and and also the coaches. Um, I think that relationships, after, after you've worked together as a team, uh, after that phase, you become friends and dear friends. And, and you still, it, it also relates back to the military. When I bump into the guys, they're like uh, three years younger than me in the, in the streets. I can still feel we have that same love and respect for each other and uh, the relationships are still there. And the players will only remember the coaches that they trusted and that they really cared for and that they knew that was uh, was trusting them and empowering them with the best information and vice versa. Uh, if you do it for any other reason, I, I think those relationships are very short term. Okay, yeah. I, uh, I'm going to take the point to now. I think it, uh, it, it all spills, as you said, and it's not just what happens between the four lines, it's what happens off, off the pitch, and that's life, and life is about relationships. And relationships uh, in business, you touched on. Cornet, I'm passing the ball to you. Ah, brilliant. Um, Lofi, first of all, I just also want to compliment you on your humbleness and, you know, which is one of the cornerstones with respect, obviously, of relationships, as you mentioned. But you now have taken a leap into um, business and a business that's that's quite an uh, incredible one in terms of your focus is developing people, um, very similar to what our, ours are. Um, we we where we want to give kids opportunity. You know, yours is developing coaches, developing um, players, etc. Um, tell us about your relationships and and how you started Elite Sports Mentorship and um, what it's about properly. Um, I know Tina's is now a representative, a brand representative um, for you in Canada. So give us an idea. Yeah, Cornet, after coming back from America, um, I did a bit of uh, of coaching with the coach in Brazil, a coach in Paraguay, and one in Portugal. And and I just noticed that the one big thing they also that they also lacked was mentorship. Uh, just uh, somebody that can walk the road with them, and and be coaching in America gave me a, this idea that uh, the coaches need mentors, the players need mentors, the referees need mentors, and the supporters or the parents of the kids. I'm talking about young kids now. So um, I sat down uh, in November uh, 2019 and decided, okay, that I'm going to start a mentorship company. And I had no idea how, when, what, and I sat with a few friends and we talked and we had a brainstorm and decided that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to mentor coaches, we're going to mentor players, we're going to mentor parents uh, to become better people, better players with a better future. And, um, and yeah, we played with the, the idea, we wrote the philosophy and our vision, and it's all just to add value and help help young players, young coaches to, to plan a career in rugby, which they all love so much, 
and also let them have the insight to see that rugby per se is not going to be a career for the rest of your life. You can only play if you're lucky, if you're one of the 1% that make it till you're about 30, 34, 35, then it's over, then you need to do something with your life. So that's what our mentorship is about. And the great thing is in rugby, the platform rugby is a fantastic game that you can actually uh, teach the players and the coaches all those values that they need to know how to communicate well, uh, conflict handling, uh, decision-making, strategic planning, tactical planning, uh, maneuvering, and so on. So, yeah, we started um, where I, uh, um, uh, with starting the company, I thought I'll just keep it uh, uh, in South Africa. But uh, part of it was also thinking that I need to, to connect with my uh, fellow coaches and friends abroad who has got the same value system, the same love for the game, game, the same passion and the same belief. And and from there, it was easy. And and we connected all over the world. We connected mm-hmm. in South America, North America, Canada with Tina's Day, um, uh, Europe, uh, France, Italy, uh, Russia, New Zealand, Australia, and in Africa and Namibia. So the network is there. And how it's going to work, Courtney, we're going to, the teams are going to come in once travel is allowed again. They're going to come in for the minimum of 12 days. We do a great course with them, very one-on-one specific uh, high-performance uh, coaching on uh, with the individuals and the team. And then they play a few games. They get to see this beautiful country and they go back with uh, value added. Um, and it's not going to just be general coaching it's going to be very specific coaching where that coaching is needed so so with COVID hitting us this year we didn't do any travel but uh, strategically I just decided that we're going to build our brand and that's what we did and that's we're still busy doing just building the brand and trying to to keep it authentic as possible you know the followers or people that we have on our social media must be rugby people that really are uh, cooperative and that interact with us rather than just having 10,000 viewers, you know, that don't actually go on it. So, yeah, authentic and real to me is, is important words, Courtney. Lofi, this is um, something that um, I think a lot of people find, will find interesting, especially now with, um, you know, the vaccine uh, that's been you know, um, organized uh, to go out in the UK and then further wider in the world. Um, So traveling hopefully will start opening soon. And with the Lions coming up, I I know you said to us before that you have teams already booked as coming to your program, um, which is exciting. Um, It means that you have that chance to sort of work with people again. and, uh, you know, your value system, uh, you know, show that to them and they can take that further. And I just wanted to sort of add to it that, you know, you're, you've been building a brand, you've been building an audience. Similarly, we have done the same at Rugby Coffee over the time. We now have a product that's now available in the UK and now soon um, in other parts of the world. But... Um, you know, having people and uh, brand ambassadors and representatives in certain parts of the world to help uh, drive the awareness, um, add value, plus then give, then give um, us an opportunities to 
sort of um, change somebody's life, for instance. So uh, I wish you all the best in that. And, um, you know, uh, I'm sure it's going to be a real success. Yes, Cornet. Um, I also followed you guys when you, uh, when you started Rugby Coffee. And I was excited because coffee and rugby go hand in hand. And it took me back to where me and Tinas would go to Somerset West and have... We meet up for one coffee and eventually we have like three, four, and you're so full of caffeine when you leave there, but on such a high. So, yeah, I, and, and uh, what you guys are going to do is I think is phenomenal, and therefore we're going to support you uh, 100% and try and add value how and when we can to make your businesses success as well because kids out there, they really need it. For sure. No, um, you mentioned... Um, that you you guys are going to support us, but can I just ask you? You you love your coffee, but what's your favorite coffee? Uh, what's your go-to coffee? That is a that is a very difficult question. Um, uh, every morning of my life, I just um, I I go to gym, and then from gym I go have a cappuccino or a flat white, and it's a local uh, it's a local little coffee shop here that we have on the east where I live. It's called Fleet Coffee, and that's what I have. And, you know, I just love the taste of it. It's a soft taste. And I know the coffee that you're going to make. I can't wait to taste it. It's going to be the same because, you know, anything that's made with passion and love is something special. And uh, I never knew about that passion and love of coffee makers and, and craft beer makers and craft gin makers until I, I, I got to see how they operate. And with what tenderness they, they blend their stuff. So I can't wait to taste it. And I'm sure it's going to be, uh, I, I might uh, move from an old brand to a new one. <laughs> no, uh, Lofi, we are looking forward to getting our coffee out to, to you. Um, you know, um, in South Africa, we've got our roaster set up. We're going to soon start selling um, over there. Um, but also before that, hopefully we can get your coffee to you. Um, and um, but I just want to add something. We have in this last week between elite sports mentorship and rugby coffee, we've created a partnership. We are now partners. We are working together to to support each other, um, help um, giving us that chance to sort of help someone else to make a difference. Um, you know, we think um, our value systems are this uh, are the same. And hence why this partnership has has, um, sort of come to life and we are very excited about it. And, um, you know, um, I don't know um, if you want to add anything to it, but um, we are very excited, especially because we know what kind of person you are, Lofi, and the people that you've got in your your organization and what you want to do. Um, it makes it a win-win for, for us to be um, associated with elite sports management, uh, mentorship. I always give it, get it wrong, but the mentorship, which is the big part. So um, you want to add something to that, Lofi, or you, um, you said it all already? No, I can add. I can just tell you that we are super stoked or excited about this uh, about this partnership. Uh, affiliation, call it what you want. Uh, actually, it's more uh, just a true, real friendship. And, uh, uh, you know, together uh, we can move mountains. 
um, with the same values and the same passion that we have, what we're going to do. So, yeah, we are all very excited about the project. And the, the exciting thing is 2021 is around the corner, and I guess that's when we're going to take off. Yes, very true. 2021 can not come soon enough. And um, it's just exciting. It's positive for us to start 2021 with um, this collaboration. And uh, we, by the time this podcast going out, we would have, uh, people would know about this and we are excited about announcing it to the world. So thank you for trusting us and believing in us. I'm very, very happy uh, where we are and where we're going to go with this. Yes, I I, uh, I just want to add to that. Our, uh, it's a shared value system. It's, it's a shared passion and commitment to the game and it's, uh, it's a collaboration in, in wanting to make a difference. And Lofi, uh, it's an absolute honor and pleasure uh, as a friend and, and three friends combining together uh, to get this done right now. So, but uh, yeah, and, and an absolute honor to represent ESM uh, in, in Canada. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, make a change over here uh, and, and very grateful to represent the brand, Lofi. But uh, I think the last uh, ball we want to throw at you before we uh, we let you go, Lofi, I think it's almost uh, whiskey time in South Africa or beer time. Um, we are going, and it's December, so it is the 18th, so it's more and more uh, beer time. I want to. I want to ask you right now in South Africa. I know your, um, you know, uh, your opinion about the game is highly valued. Um, South Africa is in a transition period from from Rusty to, to Jock and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, COVID threw everybody a curveball. Uh, South Africa, I would say, is um, behind Australia and New Zealand where they are after right now and what they've been able to do through this period of time. What is your view? Where South African rugby right now? And for the listeners out there, just give us your expert opinion, Coach. Tinas, we're not necessarily behind. Uh, they might peak too early. We might peak at the right time. But uh, if you look in perspective, uh, we are the current world champs and we're going to be it for three years still. Um, at makes us a target for everyone. Everyone wants to take the champion off his pedestal. And we've done it, and we can put it away. It's going to stay there. And uh, rugby is still sound in our country. Uh, we started later, and we've got the Curry Cup competition going uh, currently going on. Uh, we've never played rugby this time of the year and over Christmas. It's happening. And I'm very excited about the youth that's coming through. Uh, because there's one thing we cannot go to the next World Cup with with 80% of the guys that was in that group now. Uh, there's a few senior guys that uh, might be just a little too slow, but I, I, everybody's going to gun for that position. But I'm excited where rugby is now. I'm sure Rossi will still be the director of rugby and uh, the coach has sat together and they've already done their strategic planning. Um, the draw of the World Cup is made. I don't think we have a bad draw. Um, so... We're in a good position. It's all now, it's all about planning and sticking to the plan, going to the next World Cup. And, and, and there might be uh, some more curveballs coming like uh, another lockdown and somewhere rugby might be hampered again. But that's life. You can do, you must do what you can with what you have when you can. So, um, uh, yeah, maybe we should be on social media less 
and start getting ourselves ready for the next World Cup. Because, you know, uh, also the interesting thing, the people don't remember the Castle Championship and Super Rugby results. Uh, they just remember who's the world champions and that we would love to keep that uh, keep that trophy, but it's not always easy. But, but in South Africa, we are so filled with lots and lots of good talent um, that I'm sure we will be up there again. We will always be competitive. We will always be competing for that trophy. 100% right, Luffy. I think the main thing is uh, just our unions and SA need to stay healthy and we need to keep going and uh, then SA Rugby will be heading in the right direction. But Luffy, thank you so much from my side. Uh, there's nothing more I can do but kick the ball out probably now. Uh, or I'm going to pass it back to Cornet before I do that. Uh, I just want to say, for me, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show, um, a close friend, a mentor, um, the CEO of Elite Sports Mentorship, and now a strategic partner of Rugby Coffee, Cornet. Thanks, Dinas. Before we wrap it up, I want to take it back to the rugby in South Africa. Um, Lofi, you coached us at Tukis Cup here. You've coached uh, Royal Rand Afrikaans University. You know, there's uh, universities like Marty, Skofsis, Pukka, Aikis, etc., etc. And this uh, Varsity Cup has taken a massive dimension over the last, uh, over the years it's been building. And it's, um, it's uh, I know there wasn't much club rugby and uh, Varsity Cup rugby happening during this COVID time. Do you think that basis, the club rugby and the university, uh, the Varsity Cup, is giving us that um, development for our players um, still? Especially um, if you think about normal club rugby outside of Varsity rugby. Cornel, um, you know, Varsity Cup is a, is, a, is a fantastic competition, but it's exclusive. So only the the kids and the players that go to varsity get the opportunity to play varsity cup, and therefore it is a it is a great platform uh, for players with talent. That uh, it's a stepping stone for them into the next league, which could be Vodacom Cup, which is scrap or Curry Cup, and then Super Rugby in the box. Uh, I, I'm concerned uh, that club players, guys that just don't go study, uh, get lost, and I would like to see that. That club rugby in our country, especially now after um, after financially in the world, rugby is going through a tough time. I would like to see club rugby revived, and that, they, that there's also a pathway for a club player, player to be seen by a provincial side, and also to be able to compete for that position. The same as the varsity cup. So I know that the club competition, uh, but I think I think they need the clubs always need to be inclusive. The Varsity Cup has been a showcase. It's, it's really been entertainment, and the people loved it, seeing all the students around there. And there were some good players that came from Varsity Cup, but don't forget it. A lot of them, a lot of the kids that play professional rugby are actually taken out of school into academies at the provinces. And um, uh, I just I think we must we must try and make level the fields out so everybody has the opportunity to get into a semi-professional and professional side. I think uh, the professional sides, I don't think I know, are smaller. Contracts are, sm are less and uh, a small streamline now. So um, it's going to be more difficult to get in there. Thanks, Sophie. I, 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 I think 
for rugby and SA to be really healthy is, is obviously the provinces have, have to get their um, house in order all the time and, keep, and maintain that. But club rugby needs to be supported by them as well and by the communities. And, and there needs to be some some sort, sort of um, uh, environment that clubs can thrive, uh, you know, even in the lower levels. Uh, they can thrive, but then those who push up to 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 the higher levels, uh, they they should be able to to produce players that don't go to university. I totally agree. And university competition has been fantastic, but we need a holistic sort of healthy environment. Um, so, but uh, Lofi, from my side, a massive thank you. And uh, like I said before, we are so excited with working together keeping our friendship going and build this business relationship and also the for the difference we can make you know in people's lives um so thank you for coming on to the rugby coffee podcast and um have a lovely and uh, incredible christmas where where you are in in the cape uh, looking forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Corantinus. It was great chatting to you. And uh, have a break, re-energize, re-strategize, and let's make a difference in 2021. Thank you, Lofi. We will. Cheers, Lofi. Rugby blessings. Bye-bye.